service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 93. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guest from last week, Flora Sparks. Flora, I appreciate you coming to the podcast. That was so much fun. Listeners, if you have not yet, check out last week's episode. Make sure you are following Flora. She is on Twitter at FloraSparksXO. Her website, FloraSparks.com. I have links to both her Twitter, her website, in the show notes from last week. Hit the show notes. Click the links. Make sure you're following her. Show her some love. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, at FullServicePod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit that little heart button. Maybe it's a plus button. Maybe it just says subscribe. You'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop every single Tuesday. I feel like I say this every week, but ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show. So if you can, hit us with a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Write us a review. That would help us out so much. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is through our Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash fullservicepod. Each month, we have at least one Patreon-exclusive episode that you cannot hear anywhere else. This month's guest is friend of the podcast, Alexis Reynolds. She was on episode 6, episode 50, and is back for Patreon. Super excited to have her on. That should drop, hopefully, by like Wednesday at the latest. Also, if you subscribe to the Outcall tier of our Patreon, you will get a free month OnlyFans subscription to Alexis Reynolds, Sweet Haley Grace, and Sophia Soma. So what are you doing? Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash fullservicepod. I feel like I don't say this enough on here, but if you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you want to hear anything talked about, if you just want to reach out and say, what's up, hey, send us an email, fullservicepod at gmail.com. Today, episode 93, it is just me today, solo happening. I, uh, If you're listening to this and you're like, Tank, solo, what are you talking about? Uh, I used to... Uh, <laughs> At the beginning of the show, I would do two interviews, then i do a solo, two interviews solo, and then probably during the pandemic last year, I was like, well, let's just do a bunch of interviews and occasionally do a solo, and I feel like I kept that trend going this year, and I feel like really like the only solo I've really done was in March when I talked about the Atlanta shootings that happened, and since then, I've been like, let's keep that interview train a-rolling. But uh, I was like, yo, I got to do a solo, so I'm going to talk about a few things today. We'll be out. You know, I like to keep it short and sweet when it's just me talking. So I got another review I got to read for the podcast. I took a Twitter poll to see who's listening to the show. I want to talk about the Texas governor signing a bill that basically banned anyone from under 21 from working at a strip club. I wanted to highlight Meals for Heels, a Portland-based late-night delivery service that caters to sex workers. I'm going to look at a new bill that was proposed in Oregon to decriminalize sex work. And finally, I want to talk about an article that I recently read in The Atlantic that debates whether or not porn is a public health crisis. And they have a poll that was taken by Ledger, which is basically a Canadian organization that does like statistics. Uh, that basically looks at Americans' porn habits. So I wanted to talk about that. 
and then we'll be out. You know, I like to keep it short and sweet when it is just me. So I'm going to play a little music and then we're in. We are in. Oh boy, what's up? Hey, we're back. It is Tank Smith, in case you forgot. Uh, it's, been, it's been a while. I uh, I love a good Twitter poll. I love Twitter polls. I should do Twitter polls more, but I recently, uh, I did one a couple weeks ago because I always want to know who's listening to the show. Like, I can assume, I feel like I assume who's listening to the show, but it's like I never really know. So I did a poll. I took a poll uh, maybe like two weeks ago. Who is listening? Are you a client or a potential client? Are you a sex worker? Are you neither? Or are you my parents? And it looks like 67% of the people who participated in the poll are a client or a potential client. 27% are sex workers, neither at 3%. And then also my parents coming in at 3%. And my parents don't even have Twitter. So either my parents are lying and won't follow me on Twitter or somebody is posing as my parents. But either way, hey, if you participated in the poll, I appreciate it. If you're listening, if you were one of those groups, which has to be everybody, uh, thanks for listening to the show. I really do appreciate it. I got a new review for the podcast written on June 4th by To Be Determined. Five stars. Love it already. Entitled Obsessed. I love your podcast, Tank. As a provider in the industry, it is amazing to see others, especially clients, supporting our work and allowing us to have a voice. I'll be moving to a new state shortly, and the advice your guests have provided to your audience has been super helpful as I rebrand and begin working in a new territory. You're a wonderful host, and I can't wait to hear more XOXO. Yo, thank you. To be determined, thank you so much for that review. Fucking, I, uh, my friend, she's like been like, trying to get me to read the five love languages. And so I had mad credits. And so I recently listened to the book and I realized that my love language is words of affirmation. So that makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like anytime I read a review, I'm like, Oh my God, they like the podcast. Even if you don't like the podcast, write a review and then I'll know that, Hey, you felt, you felt a little something, something. So, uh, to be determined, I really do appreciate that. And if you hit me up, Send me a screen. Just hit me up and be like, yo, I wrote the review and I will send you stickers. I recently got a bunch of stickers for the podcast. I went crazy on Sticker Mule and I got nobody to give them to. So if you want a sticker, hit me up and I got you. I had a couple of friends that were in town over the weekend. Uh, Shout out to Patreon Outcall member Nani. She and her boyfriend were in town for Charlotte from Charlotte. And they hit me up a couple weeks ago and they're like, hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, at least one thing, we got to at least glow the Claremont Hotel. I talked about this in the Samantha Sky episode, but uh, if you go, they have a roof at the top of the hotel, sweet views. And so I was like, yo, let's go to the Claremont Hotel and then I'm going to dip and uh, you'll have a good rest of your night. And uh, it was raining all weekend, so we couldn't go. Uh, so we went to the Claremont hotel. They were like, well, let's just go to the, let's just go to the Claremont lounge. And I was like, I mean, I, you know, I can't spend money cause you know, I'm a poor boy, but they're like, yo, let's just fucking go. And I was like, all right, whatever, let's go. And, uh, so we go and then they're like, well, let's go to magic city. <laughs> and me, we, we were there for like 20 minutes. They're like, let's go to magic city. And I'm like, I definitely cannot go to magic city because I know it'll happen. The ATM is going to be calling my name and then it's going to be over for me and my bank account for a long time. And, uh, so we go to magic city 
And uh, I was right. I was right. <laughs> I think I went to the ATM twice. And But, I, I mean, Magic City is great. I've never been there before. If you are coming through Atlanta and you're like, where do we go to? A sh- go to Magic City. Go to Blue Flame. There's lots of great spots. But we went to Magic City. And uh, I remember I had one of my friends, she's a dancer. And she was telling me, she's like, yo, you got to get the bathroom attendant. I don't know if you've been, I don't know how bathrooms work at strip clubs, but at least ones I've been to, there's a person that is in the bathroom and they sell like drinks. They sell like candy. They sell like, just like little shit, I guess. So you could, it's like a convenience store in the bathroom. And they're like, yo, you should get the person that works in the bathroom on the podcast. And so I go to the ba- I go to the bathroom, right? And, uh, I start talking to the bathroom dude. I'm like, hey, dog, I got a podcast, you know, which this dude probably gets pitched a lot of shit. And I'm like, yo, dog, I got a podcast. Hold on. I interview sex workers and somebody was telling me they're like, yo, you got to get the bathroom dude on the podcast. And so I was like, yo, here's a sticker. But the only sticker I had was a condom sticker. And I give him a condom sticker. And he's like, bro. No. And then he's like, I don't want the sticker and I don't want anything to do with this podcast. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? It's a sticker, dog. Um, But that's pretty much what happened. We just went to Claremont Lounge. We went to Magic City. A fun time was had by all. The other reason I bring that up is because I just thought the exchange in the bathroom between me and the dude and he get, him getting offended by the... the we saw it was a condom and he's like, <laughs> And I was like, it's a sticker. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But speaking of strip clubs, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning. On the 24th of May, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, signed into law Senate Bill 315, which prohibits anyone under the age of 21 from working at a sexually oriented business, which includes, but is not limited to, a sex parlor, a nude studio, a modeling studio, a love parlor, an adult bookstore, an adult movie theater, an adult video arcade, adult movie arcade, adult video store, an adult motel, or other commercial enterprises where the primary business is offering a service, selling, renting, exhibiting devices, or any items intended to provide sexual stimulation or sexual gratification to the customer. That includes strip clubs are in there. So if you are, you know, if you were a dancer in Texas and you were 20 years old, if you were 19, if you were 18, you were previously able to work as a, as a dancer in Texas, but no longer starting on the 24th of May. And so a lot of people were laid off. That doesn't include like necessarily, you don't even have to be a dancer at a strip club. You could be Someone that's a bartender at a strip club. That could be, you know, somebody that's a valet at a strip club. You just can't work at a strip club if you are under the age of 21. So I always say this on the podcast. When I do a solo episode and I try to talk about stuff, I'm like, hey, Peep Show just does it way better than I'm doing it, you know? So uh, their most recent episode, they talked to Marla Cruz, who is a dancer in Texas. They talk about the effect of the law on sex workers and, you know, how it, how, how it'll affect people. 
proponents of the law say that this is an attempt by Texas to cut down on sex trafficking that is happening inside Texas strip clubs. Others say that this will have no effect at all. If you are a, if you're a strip club owner and you are willing to hire somebody that's 17 years old and 16 years old, how is raising the age going to do anything? I just it, it really seems like it doesn't make any sense. Jesse Sage wrote a great piece on this entitled Stripped of Rights, where she looks at SB 315 and she interviews a few different sex workers who worked as dancers in that 18 to 20 age range. Sex work offered me a way out of my toxic living situation that I would have had to wait years longer to get out of had I not begun sex work, says Elle, who started full service sex work at 18 and stripping at 19. I was still in school at the time as well and was trying to balance that and three jobs to help pay the bills at home and try to save to get out. Bailey began doing sex work in college when they realized that their parents weren't going to offer them financial support, they say. Sex work offered autonomy and financial independence at a time when I needed it most. Those who push the bill may feel like heroes for rescuing 18, 19, and 20-year-olds from what they believe to be the horrors of the sex industry, yet in the wake of a global pandemic that has devastated the economy and a lack of employment protections for sex workers, the sure harms of such laws far outstrip any imagined benefit, particularly for the young dancers whose livelihoods now hang in the balance. I'll link this article in the show notes, read the article, listen to the Peep Show episode, so good. On June 3rd, the Oregon House of Representatives held a hearing on House Bill 3088, which was introduced in March of this year, which would repeal the crime of prostitution, commercial sexual solicitation, and the promotion of prostitution in Oregon. It was introduced earlier this year by Representatives Rob Nose, Winsby Campos, and Dacia Graber. Portland-based writer, sex worker, and sex educator L. Stranger is quoted, The system sometimes horribly labels consenting adults as criminals or sex offenders. Please repeal prostitution-related offenses. It would be a historic move to uphold consent and fight sexual exploitation and sex trafficking. No public policy or law enforcement activity to date has eliminated the supply or demand for adult consensual sex for monetary exchange, says Angela Jones, Associate Professor of Sociology at Farmingdale State University in New York. Sex work remains one of the few options to make money for a large number of individuals. Unfortunately, the bill won't pass this session as the the date, the deadline for bills to advance out of the House Judiciary Committee has already passed. But I feel like, you know, there's just a positive. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's introduced this year um, so that when it does when it does come back around, maybe next year, maybe the year after, it's like this is not the initial, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of legislation is shot down initially. But it just takes like a few times before it starts to catch on and the tide starts to turn. So hopefully, you know, this is this is a positive, positive thing. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Meals for Heels, which is a Portland based food delivery service that caters specifically to sex workers. It was founded in 2019 by Nikisha Newton. She's located in Portland at the time, her ex, she was a dancer and basically found that there were no like late night places uh, where you could get like healthy food. And so Nikisa started Meals for Heels. 
where she kicks like basically like all organic, healthy food and makes deliveries to different strip clubs in Portland. Portland's like the like strip club capital of the country. There's like, like I think like 25 in Portland. And uh, so she's been doing it since 2019 and has actually gotten like really big. I think she recently opened a like a brick and mortar, like an actual restaurant, uh, but continues to do deliveries to the Portland sex work community. So shout out to uh, Meals for Heels. I'll uh, put a link to their website in the uh, show notes, but mealsforheels.com and uh, also at Meals for Heels on social media. Check them out. Before we get out of here, I kind of wanted to talk about a recent article that was published in The Atlantic that is entitled The Porn Crisis That Isn't. It, uh, I know that The Atlantic is like a conservative website and a lot of the people that are anti-porn are leading this uh, anti-porn crusade. Um, kind of like I spoke of like in December with the New York times article, Exodus cry are like conservative groups, uh, Christian groups that essentially almost like want to do away with porn completely. And as of right now, there are 16 States that have passed resolutions declaring that pornography is a public health crisis. And so this article basically debates that is porn a, you know, a public health crisis, are there positives to porn, you know? In conjunction with this article, The Atlantic uh, did a research poll with Ledger, a Canadian-based company on American pornography consumption habits, right? And so that's kind of actually what I kind of wanted to talk about because I read the poll and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with this, but I just want to throw some stats out there and see what y'all think. And whether or not you're like, this is fucking bullshit. Uh, so this poll was taken uh, in May of 2021 for three days, surveyed 1,002 Americans, right? They got people from the Northeast, the Midwest, the South, the West. They had people from 18 to 34, 35 to 54, 55 plus, both male and female. And so the first question they pose, I guess, to readers is, have you ever watched pornography? Out of 54% polled said yes, 44 no, 3% said do not know. Which seemed like, I guess, I don't know why I was just like, I felt like it would have been higher yes that have watched porn before. 54% said yes, 44% no. Uh... 18 to 34 was 64% said yes, which kind of makes sense to me because I'm like 18 to 34, you had, you had the internet happening, uh, which makes more sense. And, uh, overall male said 68% uh, said yes. Female 40% said no. Question number two, when is the last time you watch pornography? You have in the past day, in the past week, in the past month, in the past year, and more than one year ago. So 17% of people polled said in the past day, 22% said in the past week, 18% said in the past month, 14% in the past year, and more than one year ago was 30%, which is the highest uh, demographic, you know, polled, said that. The last time I saw porn was more than a year ago, which see, still, I guess I'm like, I don't know if I'm like fucked up. I'm like, that still seems like higher than I would have thought. I felt like it would have been 
more recent, but again, apparently these people out here, they're not watching the pornography. Like you, boy. Um, <laughs> average weekly watching time. Less than 20 minutes, between 20 to 59 minutes, between one hour to seven hours, and more than seven hours. So, less than 20 minutes polled at 61%. Between 20 to 59 minutes polled at 29%. Between one to seven hours polled at 10%. And more than seven hours polled at just 1%. And it actually does seem higher. And what's interesting, it looks like the people in the Northeast, uh, they polled at 17% said that they watched between one to seven hours versus 10% uh, nationwide. And 3% said they watched more than seven hours versus the 1% nationwide. So it did look like the Northeast uh, had like a little bit higher consumption than the rest of the country in terms of like average weekly watching time. The next question they posed, which porn sites do you visit the most? So it looks like Pornhub wins, takes the cake at 43%, X videos, 12%, X hamster, 6%, XNXX at five, you porn at four. And then you got a bunch of twos and one percents between red tube, Reddit, 91 Porn, Balesa, Spank Bang, Brazzers, X2, Porn.com, Heavy R. Other came in at 12%, which could include OnlyFans. Hey, OnlyFans out there. Uh, none at 10%, and Don't Know Refusal at 17%. So it goes from Pornhub at 43 to 17 Don't Know. They're watching anything, or they're like, I'm not telling you what I'm looking at. And then X2, X Videos, X Hamster, XN, XX. And uh, down from there. So, uh, which I guess makes sense. Pornhub's like, you know, it's the king out there. Um, the next one. Most visited sites. This one gets a little bit, I guess, more detailed, right? What porn sites do you visit the most? Between 18 to 34, Pornhub was number one at 55%. And among females, Pornhub was number one at 54%. What's also interesting, if 55 plus don't know or refused uh, <laughs> which i don't know why that's funny just old people just not knowing what websites that they uh you know come to i don't know why it's funny to me but uh yeah pornhub pornhub's number one for 18 to 34 and uh among females and uh 55 plus doesn't know what they're uh what they're what they're spanking into you know which is hey <laughs> you do you google um The next question they pose, through which medium do you usually access pornography? Select all that apply. So 57% of those people polled said their smartphone. 52% of people said their laptop and PC. 12% said their iPad, tablet. 9% said the TV. 3% in person. And 3% other. Uh, looking at this too, like you, it, cause it breaks it down by region, right? So in the Northeast, 69% of people said their smartphone. Whereas if you go to the West, you know, only 45% of people, uh, said they use their smartphone, which is crazy. That's a 24% difference. Whereas if you look at, you know, 
In the West, 50, 55% of people said a PC versus in the Northeast, only 48%. So it is it is interesting just to see, like, I guess maybe cultural differences. I don't know why the the phone versus laptop would be so, I mean, 24% is such a big difference um, just based on, you know, where you are in the country. If you're looking at, you know, 18 to 34, 77% said they use a smartphone um, versus... 55 plus is 19%. 55 plus, 70, 75% of 55 plus said that they are watching porn on a laptop or PC, which makes sense. They're like desktop people. But also, if you're looking at the male-female split, um, males polled at 61% for the laptop PC versus females smartphones at 75%. So it seems like really... Uh, if you want to look at females in the Northeast, almost guaranteed a cell phone. Um, I'm loving these statistics. This is so much fun. Uh, the next question, at which age did you start watching pornography? Uh, under 12 years old, 13 to 17, 18 to 21, and 22 or older. So under 12 polled at 6%. 13 to 17 polled at 43%, the majority. Uh, 18 to 21 polled at 25% and 22 or older polled at 27%. I think one thing that's kind of interesting about this, looking at the, uh, the stats is that it appears that 18 to 34, the first time they polled 53% said 13 to 17, which makes sense. Cause that's like a demographic that has, you know, has the internet earlier, where if you look at 55 plus, 54% of them, they were 22 years or older um, when they, you know, first saw porn for the first time, which makes sense. They got no internet. What are they doing? They're like, porn? What's that? So, yeah, interesting. The next question, have you ever felt like you were addicted to pornography? 79% of people said no. 17% of people said yes. And 4% of people said, I don't know. One kind of, I guess, outlier in uh, this graph is it looks like 91% of females said no versus uh, only 75% uh, saying no for males in the same category. So, you know, you're looking at a 16% uh, difference uh, for porn addiction versus male and females that were polled in this poll. The next question, how has pornography affected you personally, positively, negatively, or not at all? Total positively says 18%, no change at all, 64%, and total negative also 18%, which is like, uh, this. it seems like a weird question to ask. Like, I don't know how, like, is, is porn positively or negatively, if I feel like I don't know. I guess if I'm looking, I'm like, feel like neutral or so. It's like, it just is a thing that is there, you know? Um, <laughs> I think it'd be funny to be like, it's porn was the best thing that ever happened to me. I saw it and, and it really changed my life for the better. The next one impact of pornography on your relationship with a partner. Did it affect it positively? Did it affect your relationship negatively or not at all? Total positively was 13%. No change at all is 52%. Total negatively is 6% and does not apply 
30%. I guess that's the single people that are not in relationships. Um, one outlier there is no change at all. Pretty much 70% of 55 plus said it didn't affect their relationship at all versus, you know, 35 to 54, 44%. So that's, I mean, that's a 25% difference and no change at all between 35 to 54 and 55 plus stats. They're happening. (laughs) Don't fall asleep while you're driving. It's almost over. Uh, children's access to pornography. Do you find it difficult to restrict your child's access to pornography? 79% of people said no, and 21% of people said yes. The last question, pornography is a public health crisis. Do you feel that pornography is a public health crisis in the United States? No, says 53%. Yes is 25, and not sure is 22 and if you look at the yeses, it's they're all pretty low percentage wise. The you know, 55 plus 30 percent said yes, 35 to 54 is 20, and 18 to 34 says 28. And if you look at no, it seems like you know, the highest population that said no is you know, 67 percent of males said no. Versus, you know, 40% of females saying that 27%, you know, difference between how males and uh, females feel about uh, porn as a public health crisis or not being a public health crisis. But uh, yeah, those are like, that's basically the stats. Um, This article was published on June 1st, so it's pretty recent. And I think the poll, like I mentioned, was uh, the poll, they actually took the got the results in May. So it's still like a a new thing, recent thing, but also too, it's like, I don't get how polls work. I'm not a, I'm not a statistic person, but I'm like, you can just lie on these things, but who knows? But yeah, that's what I kind of wanted to end on today. I appreciate you being here. We'll be back on Tuesday. Oh boy. An interview is happening. An interview is happening. I'm excited. Who is it going to be? I will tweet about it. So uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Full Service Pod. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Full Service Pod. If you want to be on the podcast, send us an email. Full Service Pod at gmail.com. I'm going to stop talking. I will see you on Tuesday. Later. Full service.